So I've been gone all week, as you know. I went to spring training yeah. with my youngest. I have no idea what's going on in, in the news. I heard something about Google and <laughs> Apple, maybe. So fill me in. What happened? Well, it's pretty much a normal week here in the United States. Let's see. Uh, the Apple car. Uh, Apple just announced that the Apple car is now dead. So you probably need to know a little bit about that. Oh, and we have... Uh, black and asian nazis now yeah that's right gemini google thinks that the founding fathers and nazis and just about everybody you put into the image creator is now uh multi multi-racial uh, sort of a benetton ad it's nazis are really a benetton ad if you so think there's so it. basically no black nazis is that right. what, what you're telling me that's exactly right i don't know how to take that i don't know where to go with that <laughs> Now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to This Old Marketing, proudly brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. You know, it's the, the, the business destination for business professionals. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 417 for Friday, March 1st, 2024. And with me, as he always is, as he always is, my friend, my colleague, and a guy who right now is laughing where Bitcoin is at the moment, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Yeah, it's been... Um... It's been a good couple weeks. Yeah, couple I guess, yeah. Year. It's sort of our... happening. It's sort of happening behind the curtains too, right? I mean, there's not a lot of like the people aren't shouting it from the rooftops, and I don't know if that's because it's it's sort of like, well, let's just see where it goes, or if it's more like you know, like just let's keep it quiet, you know, let's just let it. But it's up, I think, what twenty five or thirty percent just in the last week and a half or something. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a few thousand from an all time high. Yeah, and, uh, it happened in a really quick and I actually it's, it, that's my hit. So I, I'm going to talk about that. OK, later. I don't want to I don't want to get don't spoiler no spoilers. Alert, no. Yeah, don't, no spoilers. I don't do that. But yeah, it's been interesting watching as, you know, I had to I was almost apologetic two years ago when everything went down the dumper. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's a place for non sovereign currency. This is a thing we, we want and something built on math. Yeah, we should keep our faith, and uh, and of course, with you know, I I've, I've got a good little take on it, so we'll talk about it later. Yeah. But I, well, I was, I was, I mean, I was telling the truth in the beginning. I have been so out of it because I spent four days in Arizona with my son, going to spring training games. So good, which was yeah, magical. By the way, it was. I don't know if he thought it was magical, but just to have, you know, we're just walking around, you know, Guardians training camp and dodgers training camp and just you know having some good father-son time oh you got to the go to the dodgers training camp too we did um we weren't there when shohei otani which is their big of course uh, yeah you know their big free agent 300 i think uh, he's getting whatever. paid a gajillion dollars is the uh ten, is the I think it's term. 10 years 700 million yeah i think it's something like that it's yeah. uh which is because we were trying to find our way around. So we went to the Guardians training camp for two days. It was fantastic. That's our team. And I'm like, oh, my God, this development is fantastic. It's in Goodyear, Arizona. 
And then I was talking with Adam, my youngest, and I'm like, well, why don't we go see what the Dodgers training camp is like? It's right yeah. there. It's like Disneyland for for baseball fans because you can go to seven different parks and they're really close to each other. So we go and we're trying to find the parking and we're talking to a security guy and he's like, it's right over there, but it's good thing. You're not good thing. You don't come back tomorrow. Cause Otani was supposed to practice and play the next day. He says, it's going to be a madhouse with that. So we went over there and we watched a couple of the batting practice and, and went over and looked at the, the Dodgers trading camp is magical. It's yeah. got a couple of ponds in there. It's a nice sure. walking path. It's got nine beautiful fields. And the Guardians one is great. Like, if you didn't see the Dodgers one, you would say the Guardians one is first rate. And then you see the Dodgers. And, of course, Los Angeles. Of course, of course. they have to what? Of, of course. course. I don't know how they have any money left. From uh, Well, from yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I was looking at the lineup for the, you know, oh. I mean, they're one, two, and three batters are – player of the year, right? I they're mean, all, they're all yeah, MVPs. They've all been MVPs. Yeah, all, all three MVPs. of them have been MVP. Well, Otani hasn't been MVP yet, but he's... Oh, yeah, you know, he was last oh, year. Oh, he was. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. there you go. He got it. So, he got it. Yeah. Of course, so, yeah. they have... <laughs> now, historically, the dream team doesn't work. Exactly, yeah. We'll see like if it actually Yankees works. Yankees have tried right. it forever. You know, you just pay the most money. You get all these all-stars, but they... I like Otani. I, he's a, seems like a great it kid. It should be a fun year. It should be a fun year of baseball for sure. Yeah. Are you going to go to a game? I'm going to try. I've, every year I sort of promise that I'm going to get out to a game and, and I, I I want to. And and then it ends up being just, I mean, look, it's just hard to get anywhere in Los Angeles. And so, and Dodger Stadium is not one of the easier places to get into. I mean, just literally from a logistics standpoint, it's just, it's just hard. You just have to, it becomes an all day thing, right? Even if you're going to just go for a, you know, an early afternoon game, it, it's, it becomes an all day, you know, you have to get up in the morning and you have to get out there and then you have to do what you sitting through the game and then getting out and traffic and all that stuff. It's just, it, it becomes sort just, of a commitment. Well, can't you just take Los Angeles wonderful subway system? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, Which would, that, that it, it would be exist. so the first time I ever went to LA. Cause I, especially when I started doing my traveling for business and speaking and things that yeah. I would get my early consulting gigs, I had no money. So I was looking for the cheapest transportation in yeah. every city. And I'm like, L like LA subway system doesn't go anywhere. You need to go. No, <laughs> so well, it, 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 well, here's the thing it does. But the thing is that LA is so big, right? Everything is so spread out that, even if you take it to like, let's, for example, if you want to go to Hollywood, you can go to Hollywood you can get on the train and go to Hollywood. Yeah. It's very hub and spoke for, for those of you who've never seen a map of the LA subway. It's very, there's a hub downtown and it sort of spokes out from there. But the problem is the further out sort of in the hinterland you get, the wider the spokes are, right? And there's no crosstown, right? There's no, there's no sort of spider web connecting all of the spokes. And so the problem is, is that it, in order to go like literally maybe 10 miles to your east, you have to go all the way downtown, get on the other spoke, yeah. and then come all the way back out again. And it's just, it's not efficient for that kind of purpose for getting around town. If you want to go someplace like downtown, it's fine, right? You can yeah. find a train station relatively close to you, but it's not really a subway system as much as it is sort of just a commuter train to, to downtown. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do love the weather. <laughs> it's that's all it's, i gotta we, say we live in paradise yeah that, that's, i don't like that's i don't reason. like yeah. getting around la but no i do yeah. i do enjoy that. You, anything yeah. else going on what what's happened since before we get to the news i haven't 
it just feels so out of touch. Yeah, well, not a lot. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, I, I guess the, the, the biggest stories in politics are Trump won again. Um, big, big shocker uh, there, except he also got a $470 million now and he can't make the bond. And Oh, he's uh, good. He has to pay. He well, yeah, he has to. It, he yeah. the judgment was whatever three weeks ago or whatever, and now he has to. He can't. He, he came out this. I guess this. They submitted an eighteen hundred page thing to the judge, basically saying, "Yeah, four hundred is you know four hundred and seventy million is just a little too rich for our blood. We'd like to negotiate that to a hundred million dollars for the bond, so that we can actually appeal this ruling." And so far, the the judges haven't ruled on any of that. We'll see what happens in the coming days, but it it looks like it looks like Mr. Trump is 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 out of money. Basically. I've seen. I, I was in. We stayed at a True by Hilton in in Goodyear, very nice hotel, and uh, the nicest, very nice. Um, but there's a picture of Donald Trump on the tel television, and he. It's just weird because it's orange, and then there's light pink, and I really didn't know if that was really him, or if the makeup just didn't work that morning. Uh, no, it's, it's just it's, a yeah, little, it's it's getting worse well, and worse. Yeah, I did see that Mitch McConnell is stepping down. Stepping down, yes, That's, Mitch McConnell is stepping down. I thought yeah. that happened years ago. Like I, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I thought, I thought that he stopped representing the people years ago. I didn't uh, know that he was still doing that job yeah the turtle is going away the turtle's going into his shell yeah for sure I think i'm gonna miss him i'm gonna i know gonna, you're really not you're, gonna, you're really i'm not. gonna miss him. i don't think right. i don't think any of us anyway. we have a big okay. show yeah what we, we have a big show on? we got a good show here we're going to talk a little bit speaking of politics we're going to uh, you know our open with our big story which of course is on the supreme court they are hearing arguments about laws on free speech uh, and that especially pertains to social media so we're going to talk a little bit about what that might look like and then we'll move over to the journalistic side of things and we'll talk about Vice. They are shutting down their website and going all in on publishing on other people's platforms. Let's see how that works out for them. Um, <laughs> and then we'll, <laughs> once we get into the other stories, we'll talk about Google search and uh, some people asking if Google search, the era of Google search is now finally over. Uh, and then Tyler Perry, the Hollywood mogul i guess at this point you would call tyler perry he is shelving an 800 million dollar project over ai concerns and we'll talk a little bit oh, about that and we'll get to our hits and misses and i'm going to talk about air canada and a big uh, ai sort of warning shot across the bow you're going to talk shockingly about bitcoin and sort shocking. of shocking shocking yeah you're going to I'm revel shocked. in that for a little bit uh and then we'll get to our rancid raves where i'm going to talk a little bit about this new trend of fractional CMOs, uh, which I myself am finding myself part of. So I'll talk a little bit about my experience thus far. And uh, you're going to talk a little bit about Florida, <laughs> my favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you passing absolutely along. Loathe uh, I really do. Um, no kids under 16 can get access to social media, which is the most Florida thing ever. Um, and you'll talk about that yeah, i will um, so you know who you know who really loves florida right now is jeff bezos i can imagine yes i can imagine he does so uh, the, yeah. the thing that the thing that i just can't even comprehend is the fact that he's moving from washington to florida and he's been planning this for a while so he can sell amazon stock yep he's saving 600 million dollars just by moving yes Under I mean, yes so i'm trying to figure this he's got to be this has got to be 20 30 billion dollars or whatever it is something 
significant in order to save six hundred million. They're talking about it. Yeah, they're talking about introducing new uh, new laws, tax laws that would prevent that kind of thing. Right? I mean, you know, because if you think about it, you know, that's there's so much of that that goes on, especially in California, right? The, so the thing to do in California is if you're in a if if you're the founder of a startup, right? Um, in fact, I I know a guy who did this. He was a very early investor in uh, Uber, like pre pre everything. He was an early yeah. investor in Uber, and was lived in California. And basically, when Uber went public, he was in multi multi million, hundreds of millions of dollars. It was his uh, worth, and he basically moved to Vegas. So he's moved to Vegas because he's going to establish residency in Las Vegas and Nevada where there is no tax. So when he ultimately cashes out of Uber, he's not going to get taxed on it on the st- at the state level because that's, of course, California. So there's a lot of that going on. We were in, uh, not to just prolong the show over nothing, but this is important. Uh, when <laughs> when my wife and I, we took our recent cruise and we stopped in Grand Turk in the Turks and Caicos, the, the tour guide was really big on selling land and says basically you get you're you're not taxed on the property ever so you buy a property there you're not taxed on it ever yeah you never have to do anything with the property and if you bought when you buy in you automatically get citizenship to turks and caicos and the uk because it's a uk territory and you don't pay taxes on anything and i'm like well how you know we were talking about well how how does grand turk support itself like where is it getting money Nine, every time a ship comes in, a cruise ship comes in, everybody on that uh, boat, it's $9 a person they get. Wow. So that's, <laughs> so that's they make right. all their money off of the cruise industry. That's amazing. And of course, there's two huge boats there while we're there. I'm like, I'm doing the math. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're getting $150,000 just from this stop. That's right. Like, okay, this is this That's is right. And it probably they happens four or five times a day. But the no taxes thing is big. Like when you stop at any island in the Bahamas or whatever, it'll say, hey, you can live here and pay no taxes forever. So it's a it's a thing. I was I was looking for Jeff Bezos, but he was there you go. Well, yeah, be found. You could move to Turks and Caicos. Do your I I would tilt publishing from Turks and Caicos. Oh, it's so it's so beautiful. It It really is. It is really beautiful there. So it's all right. right. Okay. well, speaking of not beautiful things, let's talk about the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court. uh, This now, as we speak, literally is uh, starting to hear the case of Texas and Florida and their regulation of social media uh, moderation. This could come to us from the SCOTUS blog. That's the Supreme Court of the U.S., their blog. Uh, and it opens up by saying the Supreme Court on Monday, that's just this Monday, appeared skeptical of a pair of laws in Texas and Florida that would regulate how large social media companies control content posted on their sites. During nearly four hours of argument, several justices suggest that the laws violate the First Amendment because they infringe on the ability of companies like Facebook and YouTube to make decisions about the content that appears on their platform. But at the same time, the justices expressed concern about the posture in which the company's challenges came to court, suggesting that it could prevent them from weighing in on the Florida law in particular. Uh, basically, the, ar- the, the article goes on basically to talk eh, about, you know, who's representing who, the teams, you know, what their stats are, you know, which one came from MVP levels and all that sort of thing. It's very uh, sort of, 
uh, very high level at this point. But basically, then it gets into finally, you know, some of the questions that some of the the Supreme Court justices were asking, and it seems like it seems like which seems like a big no duh to me that they're sort of skeptical of this whole sort of, you know, Oh, you're centering my stuff. Um, uh, you know, sort of position that the States are taking with regard to social media. But did you have a different take on that? I, I, I don't think this has, <laughs> I don't think this is going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is either. This is kind of no. ridiculous. And I, I didn't really know that it originated from, the January 6th thing. It's like, oh, that our side wasn't told. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. This is a yeah. private, these are private companies. And well, if this is to be careful what you wish for, right? I mean, this is, you know, it, here it's like, I don't think you've thought this through, you know, <laughs> the sort of thing, right? It's the, because if they win, if they, if they won, what they're basically saying is, is that private companies have to apply both sidesism or both sides journalistic standards to their, you know, in other words, they can't edit anything. They have to basically let the, let, let, you know, let everybody's freak flag fly and let everything go. And they have no control over it. So the, the platforms are kind of like, okay, I mean, really? But at the same time, then they're saying, well, they, they're, you know, and by the way, that would apply to all kinds of companies, not just social media companies. It would apply to all kinds of companies, which is just, yep. it's crazy what they're asking for. It's just, it's just a silly, silly thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I got nothing good yeah. to say about it. Yeah. It's just silly. This is not going anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere, right? It's just yeah. Like, I can't, I can't imagine anywhere. that it. I, I can't imagine that it does. You know, basically. Uh, you can't make this as, you know, I think one of the arguments and maybe it's, this is Texas in particular, um, which it would be very Texas thing to argue for is that it should be at the state level. Like these decisions should be at the state level, um, which is just, again, ridiculous in modern times to say, Oh yes. Our global in Texas, company. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. I mean, so in basically, basically what they'd be saying is in Texas, if you live in Texas, you have to allow free speech on Facebook. But if you don't live in Texas, your you they you know facebook can edit and take away your posts or they can you know game the algorithm however they want to game it i mean when you start asking actually getting into the details of any of these things it just becomes so ridiculous so fast that it's like wh what is it you really want here i mean what you know is it is it you're just complaining that there's more people that aren't on your side talking and or is it you're actually wanting them to put their thumb on the scale of, of content. It's like, what are you really asking for here? So does that mean, so something like this passes, that means that if you're on, let's say a truth social, which is very conservative, then they have to allow equivalent amounts of liberal content. That's really what we're talking about, right? Yeah. If, if I that, mean, yeah. Of all of them. So you have to look at everything and it, it's all, it's too broad. It doesn't make any sense. Let's go to the next news item. <laughs> We had to cover it. I think it's important to cover. It's a big story. People, it's, our audience needs to know that that's right. this is going on. It's going to go at what the Supreme Court's going to make a decision, what, by summer sometime? Yes, that's correct. Which, by the way, who knows? Now that I, now that I say that it's not going to go anywhere, <laughs> I just said that it's going up to the Supreme Court in the summer. And now I'm thinking, well, maybe it will pass.
Right. Maybe. Well, maybe we are. You know, as we said in the very in the cold open, this is weird times. It's just weird times right now so. because the Supreme Court is also hearing, by the way, which we're not going to cover on the show, is whether Trump is completely immune from prosecution while he was president. So it's like, you know. We're literally going to the Supreme Court. Remember the famous saying where he said, you know, I could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and I would be yeah. I would be fine. We're we're literally going to the Supreme Court to basically test that theory. That I mean, that's how crazy things have become. I've honestly had conversations with my wife about not being in the country during the election. <laughs> but I, I think it should yeah. like months. We might, I might, we might be doing this podcast a whole different way. Turks and Caicos. Let's go, man. Let's go. I think I'm looking at a little plot in Grand Turk. There it's you very go. nice. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to make it happen. I'll, I'll invite you. We'll do a live show. I, I'm in yeah. on the beach. Pina yeah. coladas on the beach. There we go. There you go. Okay. All right. Next story here. And this one actually is quite interesting and very uh, relevant to us as marketers and as content creators. Uh, this comes to us courtesy of Fortune, although there are a number of uh, companies or excuse me, media companies that are covering it. Um, and in fact, there was a LinkedIn blog post that sort of seems to have uh, kicked things off here that uh, several people sent me directly through DMs. Um, and the headline is that Vice Media, once valued at $5.7 billion dollars, is shutting down vice.com and laying off several hundred staff. But, but that's not really the story. Um, the article, as it opens up, says basically Vice Media plans to lay off several hundred employees and, and here's you know the, the real story, and no longer publish material on its vice.com website, the company CEO said in a memo and staff on Thursday. Vice, which has filed for bankruptcy last year but before being sold for $350 million to a consortium led by the Fortress Investment Group, uh, is also looking to sell its Refinery29 publishing business, which, by the way, is a content marketing uh, type of business. Um, and uh, uh, it's the latest sign, says the article, of financial problems buffeting the media industry. Digital sites, The Messenger, BuzzFeed News, and Jezebel have all shut down in the past year. Um, no, I don't. Well, anyway, um, legacy media outlets like the Los Angeles Times, Washington Post and Wall Street Journal have also seen job cuts. All right. That's neither here nor that. that that's yeah. a little bit of a stretch. Basically, but anyway, they're saying the media industry's falling it's, apart. It's, yeah, they, they, they basically had to like go, how do I twist that into a thing? It's <laughs> like you need to get a You need to get something about the mainstream media in there. Too. News is burning. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like that. <laughs> anyway. So the, the headline to me was, which was interesting was, and this was more in the memo, if you read that, than it was in the story that was covered. Um, and maybe that's just because who we are. It's what, you know, basically stood out to me was they're killing their website. They're basically going to have all their reporters publish elsewhere. You know, and I had all, all the DMs that came into my, you know, all the DMs that came into my LinkedIn based on that LinkedIn post were all like, you know, rented land, anybody? Um, it's It seems like such a dumb move, but I, maybe I, am I missing something? I think it's incredibly dumb. Yeah. I think this is, this is stupid with a capital S. Uh, but I think the, you're right. I, I don't, I don't even, I think this is like a temporary thing that they're just mentioning before they actually like stop producing everything. It's, it's, it's like I said, we're not closed. We're not closing up shop. We're going to do this new strategy that is absolutely not going to work. But we're basically right. giving ourselves nine months. That's or right. 12 months or whatever. So it's ridiculous. I think there's so there's a couple of things that I think are worth talking about, especially for our audience. The, the one is, can a news content business model survive today? 
Yeah, I think that's that's, a, that's the, that's that's the one, question. Because of course we know that you know traditional media outlets print. You know, they came from like let's say newspapers and then went on to digital. A lot of those business models haven't worked. We've even talked about on the show about we'd love to see these be content marketing efforts where like in Cleveland, if you had a progressive takeover, the publication Cleveland.com yep. or the plain dealer, that that could be a thing. But I think the other thing that a lot of people aren't talking about here is that, and I think content marketing organizations do this wrong as well. They scaled up way too quickly. Yeah. Like if you look at the way that Vice built this, if my if I recall correctly. They brought in a lot of talent, a lot of yep. high priced talent, a lot of executive talent. They paid a lot of people a lot of money, especially in the heydays when it was worth $5.7 billion and didn't do it. If you look at Axios, who we, we cover all the time, what they're doing, they sort of started small and then went vertical. And they didn't say, oh, we need 100 people in our news team sure. to make this Documentaries happen. on HBO, you know, the whole yeah, thing. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they basically did it the right way. And they said, okay, we're going to test this out, have one or two people, and then we're going to grow from there and work instead of Vice saying, oh, we're going to do the big thing and Vice News and the whole thing. So I think that's where they went wrong is I think this model could have worked for Vice but their expenses are so incredibly high. If you would have started with a smaller but you gotta, base. But you got to figure the website isn't one of those, right? I mean, you just have to, I mean, just publishing two years. I mean, I mean even if literally it's a WordPress site with everybody's articles just yeah. joined together, you cannot imagine that the website is a cost item that's going to save them a tremendous amount of money. And it just cuts the head off of the, the whole thing, right? I mean... Yeah, I don't mind the strategy of of taking your talent and, you know, I mean, it's one of the first things that we advise, right? When we're talking to a content creator or someone who's going to make their make their business around creating content, yes, the at least my advice to those people is always the first thing you do is build your sphere of influence, whether that's a newsletter, whether that's a website, whether that's a blog, whether, you know, your sphere of what, what is your center of gravity? Yeah. And where you want to pull people into and build your audience. Then second step, step number two is to, because nobody knows you exist. Yes. Take your best talent, meaning you probably, but your best talent and be everywhere else. Be where your audience is, right? You know, guest blog, be on podcast, go speak, you know, write a book, you know, all be everywhere that's not, but pull those people into your center of gravity. And so I just can't imagine that once you've done that, as Vice did, that it makes any sense to like delete, you know, explode your explode your planet, you know, in other words, your 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 big sphere of influence, your center of gravity, and just let everybody sort of dangle out there in the in the in the rest of the universe. It just doesn't make any sense. That's why me. I think that plan is pretty much nonsense. Yeah. I, I think it I think it's just buying time so that you think it's the private equity company basically going, look, we just need to wind this thing down slowly. I think they're winding it down. I think yeah. they're absolutely winding it down. And it's yeah. and this is the thing. It's like we're I want to say that it's not one thing. This is a news business model issue. This is the way they set it up issue. Uh, this is the way they went to market. I mean, there's a whole bunch of issues here that is, you know, we probably could have seen it years ago and say, if they keep it up, I, I had this conversation with my son. We were talking about just rich people. Of course, we're around baseball <laughs> players that are making right. 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year. And we just got into what is rich. And I yeah. said, you know, rich to me is somebody that you're making more than your expenses. And I said, there's people out there that are making $30 million who are poor. 
Yeah. Because they have annual expenses more than $30 million. That is Vice. Vice yeah. could have been a profitable company, but I think it was set up wrong. And that's why when you go into and you're it, here's the same. Who's Vice competing with now? They're not competing with other news organizations. They're competing with content marketing efforts and they're competing with content creators that have very, very low expenses. Yeah. And they can continue to create all this content against you. And they, they don't have to worry about the cost yep. line because there's not many. So anyways. It's just yeah, we, we you can't build up this news organization like we could in the nineties. It just doesn't happen anymore. It absolutely is the case. Well, yeah, spe yeah, spe <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said it. I said it. <laughs> speaking of speaking of keeping of the the expenses less than the revenue, we should probably do our. <laughs> we should probably exhibit about how rich this show is. Yeah, let, let's, um, let's and pay it. a couple of bills. We'll do that now. You ever wonder what unicorns eat for breakfast? All right, I don't actually know the answer to that, but what I do know is that 20% of all unicorn startups, they're using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale, and with HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com startups. Want a cool new podcast for your commute? Well, let me give you a nudge. Yeah, that's right, nudge. Nudge is hosted by Phil Agnew and focuses on how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact. It's a show with simple, evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, and grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice from admired entrepreneurs and behavioral scientists. Nudge is fast-paced, but still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's also the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. Here's your nudge to get nudge wherever you follow your favorite podcasts. You know, I would like to go to a store called Fudge. F fudge? Fudge, and I love I loved chocolate. Do you like chocolate? I love chocolate, I love, I and I love fudge. fudge. I love fudge. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I thought of when I was listening. <laughs> All I thought about was, I'm hungry. I like some fudge. You can make a podcast called Fudge. I, I, I guarantee you somewhere there's a podcast called Fudge. But it's not about fudge, I bet. I'll it's bet you it's not either. about something else. Yeah. But it could be about many other things. Anyways. Any. Next. <laughs> well, a weird, like, are we like, this is like an award-winning show. It is. It's this. It's as this. such. Because watch this. Watch this. Speaking of fudge, is... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, see what I watch this, yeah. watch, watch, watch. Okay. Speaking of fudge, is Google in shitifying? Oh, God, <laughs> it was yes. coming. Yeah, that is the new word. Um, that apparently is the uh, at the core of a headline. That have we'll... you heard about that uh word before? And shitification? Yes, yes, because yeah. I, I follow Corey Doctorow. Yeah, oh, I, I, I had not. I'm sorry. I didn't want to steal your thought. <clears throat> no, no, no. It's, 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 it's all good. So the headline here that we're going to talk about is, is the Google search era over? And this comes to us uh, courtesy of Morning Brew. 
And uh, it starts off by saying, try Googling, has Google gone downhill? And you'll notice that many people are convinced that the answer is yes. The first blue link will take you to a collection of Reddit rants. That, that's pretty much the top response for any query, by the way, on Google, as a collection of Reddit rants full of complaints about paid ads and product peddling spam sites that seem to frequently prevail among Google search results. Recent research suggests that the frustration isn't just nostalgia for some mythical heyday of the 25-year-old product. A group of leading internet scholars from Germany, the Germans, uh, they found out that Google struggles to keep sites with misleading product reviews over its top results. Google told Gizmodo that junk results mostly come up for queries about products. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good thing, Google. Um, and that it's made improvements to clutter-proof its algorithms. But while Google was found to perform better than search rivals Bing and DuckDuckGo, Google's misfires are magnified given that it commands over 90% of the world's search market and its current primacy doesn't mean it should kick back and take it easy. And basically, then it gets into the is Google and shitifying, which is a concept uh, promoted by Cory Doctorow, the sort of uh, journalist, uh, internet, pundit i guess uh, you know he's he's, he's been it. around for a long time yeah. um used to enjoy his articles very much who says the internet culture uh critic has just uh described this term to describe the decay of mature online platforms when they choose to juice profits at the expense of user experience and he claims that google's top results have become dominated by spam scams and ads he says it's too easy for sites pushing useless content to manipulate the guarded algorithm that ranks search results so um what do you think about all this? I mean, we've talked a little bit about this before, but this is, I think it's finally coming to a head. I think it, we're talking about this because of the fact that more people are using things like chat GPT for search. Yeah. That's where, that's why it matters now. What you just talked about has always been the case in my opinion for the last five years. I mean, Oh sure. It's well, but it's gotten worse. It's yeah. definitely gotten worse. But here's the thing. There's now an option when uh, Michael Stelzner was doing his opening keynote at Social Media Marketing World. He asked everyone how many people are using their first response for search as ChatGPT. And I would say about 40 percent of hands went up and that I was shocked. I was like, you've got to be kidding me that much, especially with with we know that 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 uh, LLM database is is faulty. Uh, which we you know talk about with like Google Gemini and other things like that. There's some big issues right now with what's going on with AI content. So you've got so we are we know that that AI model AI search model is faulty, but yet we're going to that over Google search. Big issue. But I guess what I would say is this is what I want your take on. Google has plenty of time to fix this because they have. What I just checked, 120 to 150 billion with a B dollars in cash. That'll fix a lot. I think that it, that's it will. Be, they, they'll be able to turn the ship around if it comes to that. Not that they're in any danger. They still have 90% of that traditional search engine market. But I think when you say they are whatever, 80 or 90% leaders in search, that's not true. That's just with search engines. Right. Search is now many other things, including now ChatGPT, AI, other things. That's right. I mean, there have been, you know, so the growth of verticalized search has started to eat away at that as well. Um, you know, so f for example, and there have been 
there's been a lot of research actually done on this and you can find it if you if if you go out and, and look for it the you know the idea of for example uh verticalized search for you know the number one product search engine is amazon right if you if people are sure. searching products they don't go to google anymore they go to amazon it's the number one if you're looking for video content of course that's what youtube youtube now that's a google property of course but you know if you're looking for you know google youtube is the number two search engine out there and then you look at maps location like if you're looking for directions it's not google right it's going to be uh it can be apple uh, in many cases, and it can be, you know, others in, in other cases. And then restaurants, it could be Google or it could be something Yelp. like Yelp. Yep. Yep. Yelp. Absolutely. Um, Shopify is becoming a big, um, uh, a big in, uh, search engine. So is things like kayak for travel. And, you know, all of those things are becoming verticalized search engines. And that is eating a little bit away at the, you know, and, and again, to your point, not a lot, right? We're not talking about a huge, uh, you know, uh, market uh, erosion, but enough that it's meaningful for their advertising revenue to the point where, you know, like at literally, as you were talking, I did a, I did a Google search while literally live while we're talking about this for Ooh. web content management. Okay. And the first, it used to be the first three. Well, now it's the first five, the first five results are sponsored. So, and on my browser, that's all the way down to the, the, when I got to scroll, right? That's the whole screen. It takes up with sponsored research. Then it goes to the generative AI experiment, right? Because I'm signed up for that. And so Gen their Gemini AI answers the question for web content management. And basically, you know, it, it sources a few articles that don't seem terribly relevant, but seem fine. Then it goes to their knowledge graph stuff, which pulls in sort of, you know, sort of information that scrapes and pulls it into the Google search engine result. Then it goes back to a more sponsored results. And so it's like, it's it's a little nutty right now in terms of the way that you're getting search results um, and how much of it is either sponsored or they're it seems like they're trying to throw different interfaces at you to see which one you're gonna like better. The user experience is, itself is is not is not better. And I think it's I think you're right. I mean, I think it, they've got a, they've got time to fix it. But the real question is 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 will they fix it in time for? I'm finding myself more and more going to chat for because the kinds of queries that I'm usually looking at, if unless I'm looking for a range of answers of things, if I'm looking for a range, you know, like I, you know, send me, you know, because I'm looking for a specific source or a specific website for an article or something like that, then I'll use Google. But otherwise, chat's doing a pretty good job of sourcing material these days like if i go in and say hey listen you know what's the answer to this research question it'll usually give me a pretty good answer it's not, it's not always great and it takes a little effort you got to validate it but then it'll source it's it's putting it's putting footnotes in there which is i have to say is pretty interesting listen so for you know we focused on search engine optimization all these years and being found well, if that's going, if that's not as important and critical and you've, you're moving, everyone's moving over this behavior to, let's say, some kind of AI search function, does that means that from the content we create, we should be looking at some, what you would call, I think, big pillar content, like research reports, 100%. books, because those are the things that I think will get indexed by AI when you become the leading expert in something and something that people talk about. Yep. So you, 
So that's a big movement. I think if, if I'm looking at well, strategically from a content marketing perspective, I'm like, I need some big pillar. Like I need to be the leading informational expert in this thing. And I can't just say, oh, if I, as long as we're found for these keywords, we're going to be fine. Not not the case anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about this when we get to uh, our winners and losers or, or hits and misses, you know, which is right now what we've been talking with uh, clients about that we've been working with is you need to look at the corpus of your website. You know, like, you know, you've, you've, you've probably got an, a weedy overgrown website. And even if you don't have that, there are almost assuredly things out there that are inaccurate about yep. your company, you know, and, and inaccurate, not because somebody got it wrong, but because it's years old. And the problem is, is that when ChatGPT goes out to look at stuff, um, it basically goes out and looks at it and says, ah, what's the most that's out there? And in the article that I wrote last week for, for CMI, I, I, I talked about this where I said, look, I went out and did a search. For example, I went out and did a search for uh, uh, you know, two CRM companies and their pricing. And basically, both of them were wrong. I mean, they were just wrong pricing. And it's not because that the right pricing wasn't there. It's because old pricing still existed in more yeah. uh, proclivity than than did than did the new pricing. So we have to be really careful about what we're putting out there now. And 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 by the way, but putting enough of it out so that we can actually start to rank. And by the way, really good time right now to search your own brand names yourself individually. Sure. Do it on Google as well as on AI. And I'll give you a quick example. I I was talking with, I was on Jason Barnard's podcast and we were doing, they basically, we were looking at my brand's branded search for Joe Polizzi and Google pulls my, who Joe Polizzi is from Google books from my yep. original book back in 2008. Yeah. It says I worked for John to 42 and I was chief content officer. Yeah. And I'm like that that's 15 years old, like whatever. Yeah. And so I, and Google's pulling and they're not changing that. So That's you right. have to look at, okay, well, what do I have to do? What changes do I need to make so that everyone's listening? To who they I am, they will change for. some of it though, um, because they, th what they will do is, especially in the knowledge graph stuff, you can claim your, you can claim your panel basically, because when I used to do my own branded search, um, I would come up and it would source books to me. <laughs> it would source books to me that I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I mean, this I, really, from? there was, a, yeah, there was some book on back pain or something like that, that I was being sourced to and all this. I think that's your best book, by the way. Yeah, And there was the one, one on, on like American, uh, you know, American indigenous peoples, you know, history and stuff like that. It's like, you know, and by the way, there, there's not another Robert Rose author. It was just, they were just mistakenly pulling in somehow. I don't know. So I went in and basically said, this is wrong. Please fix it. And to their credit, I mean, it took them a while, but they did, they? did right? Yeah, and I, I did the same thing with with Google, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows? All right. All right. Let's move right. on now to our other quick story here, which is, of course, Tyler Perry. Uh, Tyler Perry has shelved an $800 million project over AI concerns. Uh, never has two dogs recording a podcast created this level of existential fear. That is the weirdest subheadline. That almost sounds like some sort of, Every good that's, boy does fine, sort of thing. But that's morning brew. That, yeah, that's what they okay. do. They, right. they're, they're 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 cute with all their first. The first sentence is always some kind of weird reference. 
Never has two dogs recording a podcast created this level of existential fear, says the article. Entertainment mogul Tyler Perry said he was halting plans for an $800 million expansion of his Atlanta movie studios after seeing the capabilities of Sora, OpenAI's jaw-dropping text-to-video model that debuted on social media less than two weeks ago. The sight of dolphins riding bicycles compelled Perry to sound an alarm. It was that one. It was, it was the dolphins that did it. <laughs> that's just a funny sentence yeah that's the sight of dolphins riding bicycles compelled perry to sound an alarm I about the future of the filmmaking compelled the <laughs> i'm sorry I, I oh my gosh I, I i that's the name of my new book dolphins riding bicycles compelled me um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just makes me giggle. Uh, this will touch every corner of our industry, says Perry, uh, in leveraging AI in his work. Less travel, fewer sets to build, more exotic locations built through text. But they don't outweigh his concerns for everyone in the movie-making business, from actors to crew members to transportation. These worries are not new. The use of AI was one of the big sticking points for striking writers and actors last year who negotiated guardrails into their new contracts. So I, I definitely have a take on this, but I would love to hear yours. What do you, what do you think? What's your first thought when you think about this? My first thought was not the AI thing. It was what is Tyler Perry building an eight hundred million dollar <laughs> right, right facility? It's called about burying the lead, right? What is yeah. like we talked about it before? I think he's building actual dinosaurs for like <laughs> Jurassic Park or something. Like there's oh my gosh. A, what it's maybe right. are you maybe building a theme park? What what? Yeah, it's I don't it's, know. Maybe there's seven hundred fifty million dollars in gold stored in there and then we're building 50 million dollars around it i i don't know what so yeah. fine he's making this decision not to do it but thank goodness i'm like thank yeah. goodness the dolphins on the bicycle shook some sense into tyler uh, right and he's not spent overspending what's everybody overspending for right what, what I mean, time is what is this what right. year is this? is this the year 1999 exactly what, it's exactly. I mean, look, the the news about Sora and AI is one, but you know, I mean, we just talked about a few of them, right? Google search. We talked about Vice. We talked about all those things. It's like if any of those stories and the hundreds of other stories about the media, the world of media right now, including by the way, the actors and writer strike and AI and all those kinds of things. <laughs> at what point? At what point? What I want to know is at what point in the last however long it's been. Um, Tyler Perry was looking at it going, yeah, this $800 million studio that I'm going to build, this is good. This makes good sense. This, this makes perfect. really good sense. Yeah. In today's world, it makes perfect sense. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to put almost a billion dollars into building a movie studio right now in one singular physical location, because that makes total sense right now with where the media business is. It's like, the that's the just only thing insane. I can say. Well, the only thing I could say on Tyler Perry's behalf is I would have said the Medea movies would not succeed like that's ridiculous and of course that's a billion dollar franchise so hey maybe let's give tyler perry the benefit of the doubt and the 800 million dollar thing would have paid off but now not so much but what are you doing instead that's a big like i'm sure there were investors there like do you Oh sure. What do you, I mean, where you? What do you do with that money? Well, what, yeah. Say, what's oh. what, that? That's the question. Is you know. So that's why I think this is all. This this is this is called Hollywood press release time, right? You know, it's like at some point somebody went, "Hey, uh, this isn't a good idea." Full stop. It's like, well, how do we spin it? You know, how do we how do we spin the fact that we're stopping? You know, that basically we've either 
the investors backed out or we don't have the money or we don't think the spending this money is yeah. wise or whatever. It's like, oh, I know her perfect. Sora just got launched by OpenAI. We'll yeah. blame it on AI, right? It's perfect. That's the perfect. It really could have been this. somebody just missed three zeros. It could have been eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, been it. it could have been. <laughs> yeah, it very well could have been. Yeah. All right, let's get to our hits and misses here, where each of us pick a winner from the week or a loser from the week in marketing. And by the way, hits and misses, we've got a new little. Fun intro from one of our friends and family of the show to sort of tee up. So tee up that hits Should and misses introduction. We're gonna do yeah, it. Do it. Okay, here, do here it. it is. Let's do it again. Let's see if I did this right. In the shadowy corners of the digital world, where ambition meets reality, the stories of internet entrepreneurs and online marketing unfold like a mystery. This is Hits and Misses, where the old-school marketing detectives, Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose, peer into the bright glare of success and the long shadow of failure. Oh, he's so good. He's so oh good. Oh, my God. That's, I want a cigar and a cognac. Oh, I my mean, God. I that's just, so good. This is, this is wow. What, yeah. a, what a voice. Failure. I, I don't Failure. know if I could do the rest of the show now. Yeah, that's I'm so clapped. good. That's Robert Riggs, everybody, the amazing podcaster and friend and family of the show. Thank you, Robert, for that. Um, oh, so good. That may be hard to do every week, but we'll we'll occasionally we'll bring it out and sort of introduce our hits and misses with that because so, that's good. Great. So, do you want to go first? With do, your yeah, mine's rave? quick. Mine's quick. We, yeah. My hit of the week is, yeah. is absolutely Bitcoin. We covered yeah. some of this on the beginning, uh, and. The, people probably want to know like why now like why is so so just so everyone knows as we're recording this on leap day uh the bitcoin is up to about 63,000 per coin uh doing very well it's up significantly this year it was up significantly last year there's a couple things happening right now first of all there's something that'll happen we don't know exactly when but in a couple months called the heavening and basically that that's when I don't want to get too technical, but the supply of Bitcoin continues to get cut every four years. The, the, the supply that miners can actually mine every day. Mm. And that makes it uh, that there's even less opportunity. There's even less Bitcoin out there in distribution. So you have less supply. You have more demand. That's the more demand part is really what's going on right now. Uh, Bitcoin ETFs have been approved. They were approved a couple months ago. And what you're seeing here is the desire from global finance around the world now having vehicles in the form of ETFs that they're comfortable with investing in Bitcoin. I would say that most large financial organizations were not, they wanted to, to try out Bitcoin. They had their clients that wanted to get into Bitcoin, but they, they didn't have the suite of tools necessary to invest in Bitcoin. That is now possible. I think there's nine ETFs out there right now. And the, um, the inflows into these ETFs are setting records every day uh, because there's so much money coming into this. At the same time, there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin. And most of the Bitcoin that is owned right now, people do not want to sell. These are long-term holders that probably believe that Bitcoin is going to a million dollars a coin plus. So it, there's just so much demand right now and so little supply yeah. And so you're seeing, you could easily see, I could easily see, I'm not, uh, this is not a financial show. 
but I could easily see Bitcoin up 10,000, 20,000 in a day, like as these things get squeezed and go on. I, I'm, I'm fully expecting Bitcoin to be over 100,000 this year. But again, wow. not a financial show. Yeah. Don't take my <laughs> advice. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, we're 69,000 is the, is the all time high. I, I think that'll happen in, in the next week or so. Yeah. I really do. But yeah. who knows? We should have Robert Riggs do the, do the disclaimers, the financial. But again, I'm in it for, yeah. I'm a long-term yeah. hodler. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've been, I've been in Bitcoin since 2016. Yes. Uh, and full transparency. I, I got out of it. I got out of it. Uh, at the end I of bought last Robert's year. Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah, your Bitcoin and Ethereum. But anyways, I believe there's a place for a non-sovereign currency. And now that the regulation is a little bit out of the way because you have real, you know, fi traditional financial institutions that are getting behind this. This is just the start. Whew. Yeah. That was always the problem. It was always like, oh, it's this little risky thing. Well, not yeah. so risky anymore. And that's no, why you're true. seeing this big bump up. So, yeah, there you go. Anyways. Anyway. All right. Well, I got a big loser this week. Um, the big loser is Air Canada. Um, ask my colleague, Kathy McKnight, about Air Canada, and she'll rail and rant for a while But because um, she, she has to live Air Canada uh, for all of her travel living in Canada. But Air Canada uh, this last week was found liable um, for a really interesting thing. We'll link to a, an, an article about this in The Guardian, actually. There's a few places that are covering it, but The Guardian does a nice job of sort of covering what actually happened here. And basically, here's the story. So a guy uh, goes on Air Canada's website and basically interacts with their chatbot, their AI chatbot, and asks the chatbot, hey, I need to go to visit a dead relative, basically, and you know, to attend the funeral, et cetera, et cetera. I need to know, and I have to make this decision right away. Uh, I basically want to know bereavement fair. Do I have to get that approved in advance or can I retroactively apply for it if I have the paperwork after I get back from my trip? Chatbot basically says you have 90 days to basically file your quote unquote claim, if you will, against bereavement fair. And you just got to show it your ticket and all the kinds of things, paperwork, and you're good to go. So he does. He goes on the trip, comes back. Basically, Air Canada says, no, that's not our policy at all and points to a web page, their website, where the site very clearly says that their policy is you have to get it approved before you go. He says, well, that's not what your chatbot says. And by the way, I have screenshots to, to do it. And they, they're like, well, okay, so we'll give you a discounted ticket. And he's like, no, no, I want the, I want the bereavement fair. They fight, they go to court, which is sort of a small claims court, sort of tribunal thing uh, in Canada. And basically Air Canada like goes all in on fighting this thing. And the fascinating thing about this, and this is really, I guess, the story is Air Canada's argument for it. Because they basically said, look, our AI chatbot made all that up itself. We shouldn't be liable because the AI chatbot just made up stuff and it's not our fault. <laughs> and as, you know, as oh, Pepper geez. Brooks might say in Dodgeball, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how that yeah. works out for him. Um, because... That's the key. They, and by the way, they were found liable for the whole thing, right? They were, it was like, no, no, what the, and the judge had a fantastic sort of comeback to that sort of uh, opinion where the judge said, well, what's to say, which one should we trust? Like, should we trust the website page or should we trust what your AI chatbot says? Cause they're both your website, yeah. but so which one is the right one, right? How do, how are people supposed to judge what's the right answer to this. They, you have to be consistent. You have to be clarity because otherwise 
we have to trust one of those things. And obviously, you know, he trusted the one that he interacted with first. So that's the thing. The lesson for us all coming out of this and how they were a big loser here. I mean, and let's be honest, not that big a loser. I mean, they, they lost a few hundred bucks, right? But it's the it's the pillar effect that starts to happen here, right? What of what could be, right? What could have happened, right? Something much more, uh, much more damaging. And it's a great lesson to us as marketers, as I was just saying a few minutes ago with regards to, you know, what we were talking about with search is that Gen AI, we just have to realize it's only as good as the content and the data that we feed it. And if you feed it, and I've actually seen this happen with a, a client of ours who fed it, a you know customer help document repository where some in one of the folders was basically a, a bunch of documents where people were making fun of customers and where people were you know answering snarky questions and it was sort of a it's supposed to be a fun folder but they pointed the chat gpt to learn from it and they were shocked when it started to come back with answers that included some of that language and it's like you have to you have to figure out what your right content strategy is and the, what you're feeding generative AI in terms of your chatbots, in terms of your learning models, in terms of all of those kinds of things, because it's only as good as your content. And if your content sucks, guess what? The chatbot's going to suck too. It's going to That's be right. wrong. It's going to make stuff up that doesn't exist. And I talked earlier about the sort of pricing thing, you know, the pricing challenge there. And I actually did it. I mean, I went out and looked at CRM systems. And, and then I asked another one about, a big enterprise technology company, I said, oh, tell me about their digital asset management system. And of course, they, the chat GPT basically came back and said, oh, they've got a great one. And it's amazing. It's got all these features and blah, blah, blah. And I went, no, I don't, I'm pretty sure that's wrong. So I went and found where they actually sourced that page to and that knowledge. And it was basically the company in a press release talking about their integration with a third party partner. So they were basically pulling the features of the third-party partner without oh my gosh. and applying it to the actual company. So we and and we do that all the time, right? We that is something that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have to actually, you know, as the as the kids call it these days, red team your chatbot, your AI, you know, assistant, whatever it is that you're using your content with your content, because only you can know if it's your story that's being told. So that's, yeah, that's my big loser for the week. Seems like, oh, why would they fight that? What a silly, silly and, thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the press alone. It's just, it's just uh, dumb. They would just, they should just said, yep, you're right. We, we screwed up. It was our fault. Boom. Yeah. You know, Done. there you go. Could've, Done. Could've, yeah. Just put it to bed. Know, the Streisand effect in full, full, full uh, gear there. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So now it's time for our rants and raves as we get to the end of the show here. And uh, this is where Joe and I go off and a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like, oh, let's see, makes us feel like we own Bitcoin or makes us feel like we don't own Bitcoin uh, <laughs> at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel bad. Yeah. Feel, um, it's, again, it's would you like to go first or would you like yeah, me to I'll go, go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I do want to yeah. mention because I, I don't want to forget that uh, we still have our, our contest to be part of our live This Old Marketing at Content Entrepreneur Expo, May 5th through 7th. So if you want to be a guest on This Old Marketing in Cleveland and live at the show, go and register at cex.events and then make sure you use Tom, T-O-M 100 as the discount code, and then you'll be entered into a drawing. And then you might be a guest on our show live, which I think we've had, if I'm right, I think we've had four guests 
in all of the history right? of our is it four over eleven years? This would be I the can fifth. I, I can count two, but I thought like Todd Wheatland, Tim. Oh, Washer, Todd Wheatland. Oh, the live shows. Yes, I forget the about the live shows. shows. Todd Wheatland at the live shows. Yeah, something. Yep. It's it's not it's not very many people. Tim it's, Washer it, was also on that show. Yeah, it's going to be an honor. Yeah, we think. We think. We right. think. Yeah. So my uh, my commentary, I guess, is, and I'm I'm not sure what to do with this, but I I'm hoping that it becomes something. And there's a bill that's going through right now in Florida, our your favorite state of Florida. <laughs> and it's it's happening right now, but basically Florida lawmakers passed a ban on social media for kids that are under 16. Now that's wow. very broad. All right. And it's yeah. very unwieldy and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And from what I read, I don't think anything's going to happen. I think Governor DeSantis is going to go and veto this. There's a lot of things to work through. There's big implications about saying that because you're basically taking saying, hey, parents, you can't you don't know how to parent your kid, so we're going to do it for you. I don't believe that that should be a thing. What I'm hoping is that these types of laws will be the kickstart for companies like Meta and TikTok and Snap. Snap's going to be a tough one because they're so, they're, the users are so young to age gate. I don't know what that age should be. I don't know if it's 16. I don't know if it's 13. Whatever it is, I think that age, we have the ability to check and to see. Now, of course, there's ways around it. There will always be ways around it. But I would like something to say, hey, you can join us on Twitter, but you have to be 16. Yeah. Something like that. That's all I want to see. Because I really, and we've talked about it on the show, I believe that social media, the effects of social media on the younger population is a horrible thing. We're getting, we're talking about mental health issues. We're talking about all sorts of suicidal tendencies that come out of too much social media. This is a big problem. Online gambling is coming out of social media. There's a lot of horrible things. And I would, I don't know how to stop that, but I think this is one way. So I don't know if I'm kudos to this bill, but I like, the, I like the fact that hopefully it will lead to something positive. And I think it has to start with the companies themselves and not from government. Well, it's just, but, you know, I mean, this is the wrong way to legislate it in my mind. It's the long, it's the wrong way to legislate it in my mind. I mean, what, what we really need, and we've talked about on this show before, is what we really need are for the social media companies to step up and make every account be yes. verified. 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 Whether That's you're right. a, what, and and if you do that, then you le then what you're doing is what theoretically all those politicians in Florida and Texas are really asking for anyway. Which you know, because let's not uh, let's not forget they're basically saying let's ban books, right? Let's they're they're banning books in Florida. And yet passing a law that says basically that the young people can't be on social media. So it's like the parents know the best until not right you know, we th yeah. they think, oh, parents, parents should have the ultimate choice here, except where social media is involved. And then we're going to make a law. So and then they want free speech. And it's like it's just makes your head spin. And so this is the wrong way to do it. And, and so but if they could somehow compel the social media companies, and that includes Meta and Google, and uh, and certainly X, um, and all of them, to basically compel you to actually have a verified account, it would solve so much of it. Yes. Right? Because now you are actually making the parents vouch for the fact that they signed their kid up for this thing. 
And that's the, you know, the, or the, you know, you, the, the kid has to basically be real and you have to be real online. And it would solve a lot more of this than, than simply mandating some yeah. magical age of 16. I'm totally with you. I'm totally, that's what I'm hoping at least to solve yeah. something like verification. I think we're still years out, but I think ultimately that's where we have to go. And if we have to do it through efforts like this, yeah, which are really weird Maybe. and probably yeah. won't work. Just to get the attention, great. I'm fair I'm enough. It does that. get the conversation going. That I'll grant you that. Yeah, it does exactly. get the conversation going. Right. What do you got, sir? Uh, very quickly here. Uh, this is an article that we'll link to in Ad Week, um, which is the headline is the fractional CMO is a trendy marketing title. And by the way, it's not going anywhere. This is something that I've seen. Um, and basically, it, the article speaks about how post pandemic the chief marketer role is really emerging as one of the you know more prominent jobs that is sort of done at the temporary level and i have been i was considering this at the end of the last year to get into this um, because it's i've watched my consulting practice sort of evolve and change and i realized uh, really at the beginning of this year i realized I've kind of already been doing it for 10 years. I've been doing the fractional marketing leader thing for 10 years. It's just, we weren't calling it fractional marketing leader. I mean, when you and I got into business together, you know, I was never an employee of CMI. I was always sort of just your partner, right? We mm -hmm. just sort of, sort of made a business arrangement where I was your partner there on a fractional basis and still ran my consulting company and ran all of the things. And so what I wanted to say is my experience so far as I've started to pivot into this area, um, has been it's difficult. Um, it's it's you know there's a lot of noise right now about it. It seems to be resonating with clients. It seems to be resonating with the with people that are actually looking at this model. Um, so I'm 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 all in on it. Basically, I've been going all in, sort of marketing myself as this. Um, you know, a, a shout out, you know, sort of promotion, if you will, right? If you're a tech company, you know, I'm specializing in obviously tech companies and media companies because that's my that's where I my sweet spot. So if you're in there and you need marketing leader help on a fractional basis, I'm here. Wave my hands, jazz hands, all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested, reach out. But I'm finding it to be a very interesting model because we talk a lot about how the CMO model, uh, the marketing leader model, is such a tenuous position in most companies. And this is a win-win. This is a win-win for marketing that experiences way more change than almost any other function in the business, right? Whether that be sales, accounting, legal, et cetera, where you really want to build those institutional sort of models up with accounting and legal and operations and finance and all those kinds of things. Marketing is much more fluid these days and moving people in and out can be a great way to sort of keep a fluid sort of ideas coming, ideas flowing without the heavy encumbrances of big AOR, agency of record relationships, and keep those marketing people. Now, there's a whole skill that's involved there in managing that process. And um, I'm going to be writing a little more about that as I sort of learn what's really going on here. But anyway, I wanted to sort of shout it out because it's it's a thing now and and I'm in. I'm in. I'm into the thing. So there you You're go. You're right. I've, I've seen that fractional CMO phrase, if you will, whatever term. Yeah. Use more this in the last three months than I've ever seen it. It's yeah. really incredible how much yeah. that's been. And I've resisted forward. the fractional CMO thing because I think it's more fractional marketing leader because I think a lot of businesses don't really see themselves as having a CMO because we, and we've talked about this on this show before where the CMO role, it can be a little like, really, is that what we want? Or do we just want 
you know, a chief digital officer, a chief customer officer, a chief content officer, a chief, you know, where do we, you know, there's a marketing. So I've been going with the term fractional marketing leader, um, just as a, as a way of positioning myself. But, you know, I, I certainly recognize that fractional CMO is kind of what the kids are dancing to. You're going to have to do it. It got to go yeah. that way. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm yeah. going to see now. Are you going to add it to your website? Oh yeah, it's already done. Oh, That's done. Yeah, my website is done um, with that. You know, my personal website is certainly done with that. My new LinkedIn profile is up there. Uh, and wow. again, you know, and again, waving the flag, open for business. So, uh, <laughs> if you're interested, good. I, would, I am if, for if sale. If I was looking for a fractional CMO, I would I can, hire you. I can be I had, man. I can be had. <laughs> I, can, I can be you can bought. Have, you can bought. have me. Um, anyway, that's it. What do you, what do you got going on this week? You're, well, you're off, you're off on another I'm off again. Adventure. We've got a, we've got a special episode next week. Uh, yeah. we're doing a little, little family trip for a few days, spending Love some it. good quality time. Our oldest is on spring break. So looking forward to, to spending some good quality time. And as you know, I mean, this happens every year, February and March, lot, lots of time off for Joe. Yeah. Because I'm lots of sunshine. I'm, I'm breakable. And so I need to put myself back together in February and March. And I do that with lots of time off. So what do nice. you, uh, what do you got going on? Uh, working and working and working is, is really the key. You just came back from a, a, a speaking of fractional clients, you know, came back from a client um, in Austin uh, this last week and I'm working on some stuff to, to get done there. But other than that, yeah, sort of enjoying the, enjoying Southern California weather, right? The, oh, the, the, Southern, the beautiful Southern California weather. We have wonderful. the sunshine you, you seek. So just, just, just the quick note. Yes. Yesterday in Cleveland, it was 70 degrees, low seventies. Oh, nice. Very nice. And within three hours, it went down to the high twenties. Oh, there you go. Welcome to Cleveland. Yeah. It must We're have rained or snowed. It must have rained or snowed with that big of a temperature. It snowed. Yeah. It snowed. There yeah. you go. Yeah. there you go all right all right well we do have a special episode next week so i hope you'll tune in for that it's going to be a fun one we're going to talk about oh i'm not going to tell you what we're going to talk about because you know why we're going to tease it that way but until we do see you next week just remember everybody it is your story to tell maybe use ai but tell it well we'll see you next week on this old marketing 